Great to see you all. I, uh, I was in the Holy Land for a couple weeks, and uh, you're like, really? Didn't even notice. Um, but uh, great to be back with you. And uh, today, honestly, so I've struggled to preach today. I'm working all week on my homily. I got up really early this morning. And I've been struggling to get out what I what I'm really want to say to you, but we'll see if it happens this time. Uh, Today, the church wants us to wrestle, and the scriptures want us to wrestle with something that's really difficult theologically and really contentious in the history of the church, and it's just one word, and that word is reward. And that word has been debated all through Christian history in different ways. I think part of the struggle today has been I was trying to fit all that into one homily. And I was like, Lord, why don't you help me not to do that? Um, but here we go. So, so to, just to set the context really quickly, you may have heard me say this before. The New Testament, the primary analogy in the New Testament is what? Does anybody know? There's one analogy more than anything else that the New Testament uses for sin. What is it? I love it when you whisper. <laughs> Debt. That's the primary analogy in the New Testament for sin. Not even close to anything else. And so, for instance, in Matthew 18, Jesus tells a parable about two debtors. Right? And if you've ever had debt in your life, I always say this, it feels like it goes everywhere with you. It's something that kind of hangs over your head. It's a big burden to carry. And our sin feels that way too. Uh, the Our Father, right, in the Greek, when we say forgive us our trespasses, the Greek doesn't say trespasses, the Greek says debts. And so the natural question, so that to set the context for what I want to open up today, to try to open up, to set that context, wouldn't it be natural to say, okay, God, if when I sin, that means I have a debt before you, is that all I can have? Wouldn't it be natural to ask the question, can I have a credit in my account before you? Today's gospel says yes. And for a lot of Christians, that's scandalous. And very honestly, I, one of the things I want you to feel today is that that should be scandalous to us too. Right? And so Jesus today, right, if you didn't hear it, that simple word reward. Here in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says... He who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, shall receive a prophet's reward. And our first reading was about this, right? This woman builds Elisha a house, and she receives a tremendous award, reward. He who receives a righteous man, because he is a righteous man, shall receive a righteous man's reward. 
And whoever gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. Brothers and sisters, here's a crazy thing today. It's actually possible for God to owe you something. That should shock us. That's, that should be scandalous. St. Augustine, when he reflects on this, he marvels at this reality. And using that analogy of a debt, right, if our sin is a debt... And if we do something righteous that we can have a credit before God, Augustine says this, he says, Blessed are you, Lord our God, who deign to become a debtor to those you release from every debt. Blessed are you, Lord our God, who deign to become a debtor to those whom you release from every debt. So think about that for a second. What Augustine is saying here, brothers and sisters, is not simply God in his mercy, he desires to forgive every one of your sins, to write off your debt. But that's not enough for him. He actually goes even further than that. He goes so far to say, I love you so much that I actually want to enter into debt with you. Today's uh, gospel reading, scripture scholars will tell you that the language is very similar to Matthew 25. In Matthew 25, the judgment of the nations, Jesus says, come, receive the kingdom prepared for you for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was in prison and you visited me. I was naked and you clothed me. An amazing thing. That should move all of us. God has promised unbelievable things to us who love him. There's three things I basically want to share with you today. Uh, there's three things that are, that are key to understanding this well. And this is all from a gigantic book on St. Paul and this topic I read five years ago. But there's three things. The first thing that we have to get right is priority. The second thing is what this scripture scholar calls, um, oh gosh, I forget the word for it, but it's commensurability. And the third thing is obligation. So let's walk through that really quickly. Priority means this. It means that God's love always goes first. As Catholics, we have this bad reputation sometimes where some of our Christian brothers and sisters, they accuse us of thinking that we have to earn God's love. And I know you all, and for some of you, it's true. And, and I mean that you think that. And, but the Catholic Church, 
I don't mean you have to be really careful the way I say this. Some of you do have to earn God's love, all right? <laughs> this side of the church. No, I mean some of you think that. And that's a lie. The miracle of Christianity is that God doesn't love you because you're good. He loves you because he is. The the New Testament will marvel about this, and all the great saints will marvel about this, that in our darkest moments, when we weren't even maybe aware of God, and when we were locked in our darkest sin and couldn't see him, that's when he gave us his son. And so Christianity never starts with us. It never starts with our moral effort. It never starts with us getting our act together. It never starts with us doing great things. Christianity starts with the unbelievable love of God. That's priority. It starts with Him. The second thing is that you can't make an equal gift. Right? You can't make an equal gift. So my, one of my friends, he talks, about the, he talks about a casserole debt. I don't know, does anybody make casseroles anymore? Is that just in the Midwest? It's Midwest. You're from Ohio. Um, but he talks about how like, if someone gives you a gift sometimes, instead of us being able to receive gifts, the first thing we think is, oh, now I have to give them a gift. Right? And I know you've done this. Right? I do this at Christmas. At Christmas, I'm, I'm just not good at giving gifts. I never have been. I never will be. I'm not a thoughtful human being. Maybe that's why I was called to priesthood. And so at Christmas, people are so good to me, and people give me gifts. And when I always, they're like, they give me these beautiful things, and I'm like, I left your gift at the other church. <laughs> we can have this thing where we feel like we have a casserole dent. And the thing is, is that we're going to get to this in a second. God does want us to be generous. But how could I repay him for that? I can't. His gift is always bigger than mine. Jesus, I, I have very little to give you. And it can never measure up to what you gave me. But I desire to give it anyways. And this leads me to kind of the central point that our gospel is talking about, which is our final point. Which is that love binds us. The, the modern world wants to say, you know, love is free. You should never... You know, if someone gives you a gift, you should never feel obligated that you have to give them something back. It's a lie. In the Catholic wedding rite, the couple stands on these steps, and the opening prayer from the priest during the ritual of the, of the marriage says, Christ abundantly blesses the love that binds you. He abundantly blesses the love that binds you. Whenever we receive the miracle of someone's love, 
That love always places an obligation on us. Always. What God wants for us, brothers and sisters, and what he wants in your life, God does not just want you to go to heaven. He does want that. He wants you to, on some level, belong in heaven. I sometimes think that one of the worst things in the world, have you ever had someone, and I, I know you have, but I want you to think about a moment where you've been honored in a false way. Right? If someone says to you something and they, if they compliment you, and if they're being nice, but you know it's not true. By the way, this happens all the time to priests. I gave a terrible homily at the last Mass. People are like, Father Brian, that was just a great homily. I'm like, stop flattering me with your lies. Right? <laughs> we've, all, we've all had moments like that. I think of Lance Armstrong. What was going on inside of him when he won Tour de France after Tour de France after Tour de France? And he knew that he was cheating. He had, he had doped for years and years. And he had sold himself to a lie. What a terrible emptiness that must have been. Imagine, brothers and sisters, and this is the point I really want to drive home. None of us could ever earn heaven on our own. You have to hold this intention. It's only because of priority, because first Christ died for us. He paid our debt. He united us to himself. But once he has done that, he doesn't just want to reward us with heaven. He wants us to be the type of men and women who belong in heaven. This is what today's gospel is about. What if you went to heaven and you were like Lance Armstrong? Not, I hope he goes to heaven. <laughs> today's going to be a doozy of a homily. Like, some of you don't deserve God's love, and then you don't belong in heaven just like Lance Armstrong. Right? <laughs> what if you went to heaven and it was a lie? And on some level, right, none of us deserves it. None of us will ever fully merit to go to heaven. We can't. That's impossible. But the difference between Catholics and Protestants on this issue is that God, for Catholics, of course it's because of his mercy. Of course it's because of his redemption. We would be nowhere without that. But God's mercy actually wants to transform us to become righteous. to become righteous. Brothers and sisters, you can merit a reward. God has humbled himself to such a degree that he has promised you that he will enter into your debt if you live a certain way. If you love the poor, If you forgive your enemies, if you take the lowest place, if you live a life 
an imitation of Jesus Christ, because of him, you can actually deserve a reward. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing. Last image today is from Seneca. If you don't know Seneca, Seneca is a Stoic philosopher from the ancient world. And Seneca, when he talks about gifts, and we're talking here about, right, God first gives us the gift of his grace and his mercy and the gift of his son. But Seneca says that any gift, the purpose of a gift, he says, is kind of like a game of catch. He says someone throws a ball and they throw it not so that you would hang on to it, but so that you would throw it back. And what it does is it binds those two people together in relationship. This is what God wants to do with you. He doesn't just want to give you a gift. He does want to do that. He wants to draw you into the life of the Trinity. Right? The whole way that the Blessed Trinity works is that God the Father pours himself out into the Son. The Son receives that gift of the Father's life, and he pours himself back into the Father. God loves you. He redeemed you. He pours out his gifts upon you. Not so that they would just sit there, but that you and I would pour them back out into him. And I hope you're doing that. Blessed are you, Lord our God, who deigned to become a debtor to those you release every debt.